This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you been struggling lately? Maybe you're having trouble sleeping, difficulty with the relationship, or just suffering from low self-esteem. If so, then BetterHelp wants to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and to help you. You get to talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network, and they give you access to help that may not be available in your area. You just need to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Join the 2 million-plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. And there's a special offer to Nowhere to Be Found listeners. You'll get 10% off of your first month, but only if you go through the link or type in betterhelp.com slash ntbf for Nowhere to Be Found. That's better betterhelp.com slash ntbf. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. And you can find the link in our show notes and on our website, nowheretobefoundpodcast.com. I'm your host, Amanda Papineau, and this is Nowhere to Be Found. cases to cover is one of the hardest things for me to do, mostly because there are so many missing persons cases out there that deserve the attention. I have to go with a mixture of my gut reaction and a list of stipulations that make sure the case is appropriate for the podcast to cover. Going back to our first season with Michael Bryson, there was something really personal about that case, and it lit a fire under me. Maybe it was because we were from the same town or had so many mutual friends or because I got to know his family and friends. But that's what I was looking for when I picked the case for this season. I had my daughter last July, and it's been hard for me to jump back on the wagon with the podcast. Sometime in March, I got a call from Parrish Bryson, Michael Bryson's dad, and he told me he knew what case I should cover for our next season, Shane Springer's. Shane's sister Stacy emailed me not two weeks later and asked me if I would cover Shane's case. I immediately said yes, and I jumped in with both feet. This season, I'm going to try my best to tell Shane's story in the way that I experienced it while researching his case. I'll warn you now, the story is very complicated and it can be hard to follow, so I'll do my best to remind you of who people are and what's going on. The beginning of a season usually includes a lot of research on my part, gathering possible contacts and piecing together the story of when someone was last seen and by who. Shane's case was very bizarre from the get-go. Shane Springer is a 47-year-old man who went missing from Mackenzie Bridge, Oregon, which is a rural little town along the Mackenzie River about 40 minutes from Eugene. I'm somewhat familiar with the area, and I've been camping many times in the neighboring city of Blue River. So to give some backstory on Shane, he's originally from Minnesota, and he moved out to Oregon sometime after high school with his then-girlfriend, Rebecca. According to his family, the couple was just looking for a change of pace. Unfortunately, Rebecca passed away from a drug overdose in 2007 at just 25 years old. This was an extremely difficult time for Shane, as you can imagine. Shane got into construction for work, and eventually he started his own business called Labyrinth Construction. Fast forward to 2014, and Shane marries a woman named Crystal. They live on Shane's property in Vida, Oregon, until 2020, when their home burned down in a devastating wildfire. They end up buying another property not too far down the road and living in a trailer while they waited to break ground on rebuilding their new home. Shane and Crystal did not live alone on the property, though. Shane's friend Justin, from Minnesota also, decided to move out to Oregon at some point, and Shane allowed him to stay on his property and also provided him with a job, helping him out on some of his construction jobs. According to everyone I've spoken to, Shane and Justin are good friends, Shane is something of a mentor to Justin, but as friends do, they get on each other's nerves and bicker as well. The other man who lives there is named Ray Ray. According to multiple sources, early in the investigation, Ray Ray used to live on Shane's property that burned down as well. 
He used to be homeless and now lives in his trailer on the new property and keeps to himself for the most part. Since he didn't cause any trouble, I'm told Shane allowed him to stay. Shane was last seen on November 2nd, 2021. According to the family, Shane was last seen by Crystal, Justin, Ray Ray, and Eric. Shane's four sisters and mother have all been very involved since his disappearance. So I reached out to his sister, Misty, and she agreed to do an interview first. So I'm Misty Euchre, and I'm Shane's younger sister. Uh, how many years younger are you? About a year and a half. Oh, you guys are really close. Yeah. Okay. And, and there's four of you sisters, right? And Shane's the only boy? Right. He's the only boy right in the middle. So two younger sisters and two older sisters. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I'm sure there are a lot of stories for him on yeah. <laughs> growing up with four <laughs> sisters. Okay. Um, so just kind of tell me before we get into, you know, Shane's case as a missing person, like just tell me about Shane maybe as, uh, you know, growing up and um, where are you guys from and everything? Okay. So we, we grew up in Winthrop um, on a farm um, and moved to Hutchinson when I was probably in like fifth grade. Um, and that's in Minnesota? Minnesota. Yep. So growing up, you know, we, we did a lot, just a lot of outside stuff. Um, we had three wheelers and, you know, country stuff. We had animals and, um, were you, was Shane, was Shane like into sports or like, was he a quiet kid? What kind of, like, what was his personality like? He in, um, when he was probably, you know, in grade school, he was big into wrestling. Um, mm, okay. But pretty, just kind of always has been pretty quiet. Um, yeah. Okay. And then when, uh, when did he end up moving out to Oregon? So he moved out there after graduate, after graduating high school. I'm, I want to say maybe a couple years after graduation. Okay. Why, why Oregon? Um, he had a girlfriend at the time, Rebecca was her name and she was also from, grew up near us. Um, so they moved out there together. Hmm, just looking for something new. I, I believe so. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, and so that was pretty soon after high school. He ended up, I know he's in construction, right? Here he owns his own construction company. Right. Yep. So kind of got into that out there. What kind of construction does he do? Um, like house builds and remodel. Oh, okay. So, okay. So kind of walk me through when did you first learn about Shane going missing? How did you find out? And, you know, where'd you guys go from there? Okay. So on um, Saturday, this would be, let's see, November 6th. Um, apparently she had gotten a call from Justin um, saying that Shane had been missing a few days and the search crews and their dogs were out currently looking for him. Um, so then my mom let all of the sisters know after she had gotten that phone call. Who, who called your mom to tell her that? Uh, Justin. Justin did. And Justin is Shane's best friend from Minnesota, right? Right. Who also moved to Oregon? Right. Okay. And they, from my understanding, they kind of have been maybe Shane like kind of hired him for to do some work for him as well. And they're also, you know, good longtime friends. Yeah. So Justin, so, right. Justin moved out there. Um, I'm not positive on um, the time, but I want to say maybe seven ish years ago. And mm -hmm. Shane provided him uh, work and as well as a place to stay. Oh, that's nice. Okay. So Justin calls your mom and this is Saturday and he says he's already been missing a few days. Right. So I, and I think I, I know I spoke with your sister, Stacy, and I think she said, was it Tuesday that he actually went missing? Yeah. 
for Wednesday. Tuesday was the last day that they that anybody saw him. Tuesday was. Okay. And then all the way to Saturday, your mom finds out. She, you know, trickles it down to you four girls. And where do you go from there? So we, I think my mom called um, the, well, she was relying on information um, from Justin at first. Mm -hmm. And then she ended up calling um, the deputy who was working the case. And he kind of told her, just hold off for a little bit. Um, But then on Monday, uh, well, Sunday, I guess, we made the decision that to fly out on Monday. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, So she, my mom and I um, went out on Monday. Wow. Okay. So did you... Were you there to stay like on his property? Like you're staying in Shane's house while you're looking for him? Um, No, we stayed at a different property. Okay. So you get there and kind of who is walking you through or who's kind of, you know, going through this with you and showing you what's already been done? Anybody? So we, um, Justin is the only one that we really know aside from mm-hmm. Crystal. So we stay with him for four days while we were there. Um, okay. So most of the information coming from him, we did during that time meet with Tim, the search and rescue guy, as well as mm-hmm. the deputy who was working on working the case. Okay. So when, when you talk to Justin and you're getting that first, you know, First story of what exactly what happened, when the last time, what, what did Justin tell you happened? Um, so he says that Shane came home from work at 10 o'clock and there's, there's a couple different stories. Justin says that he thinks that Shane came home because he knew some drugs were going to be brought. Um, the other story is that Shane came home because he had or was going to be firing Justin. And Shane had a plan to um, kick Justin off of the property. Okay. So a little bit of a falling out happening in the midst of this. Possibly. So then he's home and then Justin says... There are four people there, himself, Shane's wife, Crystal, Eric, who Shane was was upset with because he was there sleeping on the floor, and then Ray comes. Then there's different stories about who between Shane and Ray leave first, Um, and then Justin also states that um, at first Shane left pissed off, tore out of the driveway. A couple days later, Justin says, no, nope, he left happy. Okay. So hard to kind of nail down all the details. What about Crystal? So Crystal is Shane's wife. Um, of how long, how long have they been married? Around seven years. Okay. So, and do you have a relationship with Crystal prior to all this? Not so much. Not so much. Okay. So it's not like you could really, you weren't really leaning on that relationship, but okay. So what does Crystal say happened? Is her story similar? Um, Well, she's still sticking to the idea that she didn't see him at all that day. She didn't see him come home. Although um, there's, there's a text stamped like 10, 13 or something saying Shane's here. I got to go. So she knew that he was there. Okay. So Crystal's story doesn't exactly match, or maybe she's saying maybe he was here, but I didn't see him at that time. Um, And Justin saying that they were all four together then. Right. Justin says he was in the trail. When I say trailer, it's like a camper. Justin saying he was in the trailer with Crystal and Eric sleeping on the floor when Shane comes home. Now you ask Eric and he says he wasn't there. So nobody can really, 
already at 10 o'clock, it gets messed up. Nobody can agree on anything. Right. Um, my, one of my first questions when I first heard, cause I've, I've kind of read through this. I, I know some of these details, but why are there so many people on a Tuesday? We said at 10 o'clock or do they all not work? Like that seems unusual to me to just have a house full of people at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. Right. Exactly. So, okay. So that's unusual that you thought that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Okay, I was like, well, I don't know what they're doing. Do they have jobs? No. Does Crystal have a job? No. Okay. I don't believe gotcha. she's ever had a job. And Justin, you know, only worked for Shane, but hadn't worked for him for um, for about a month because well, Shane had suspected Justin of stealing his tools, had plans to fire him and to kick him off of the property because he hadn't been paying rent. Okay. Okay. So Shane's working full time. I could see where it would maybe be a little bit frustrating if you're the only one working um, and everyone else is just kind of hanging out. But what I also know I want to mention is that Shane is living in this trailer with Crystal because the year prior, his house actually burned down in the Holiday Farm fire, right? Correct. Yep. So he is, I mean, down on his luck is not even covering it. His house burns down. He is in this trailer. He's the only one working with this um, group that's seeming to struggle in one way or another. Uh, And then according to Justin, after he leaves the house that day, he never sees him again, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, And what did the police say about that? I mean, did they question? I'm assuming they questioned all four of them, right? Yeah, so they um, they were able to download the phones of Crystal, Justin, Ray. Eric, however, was only willing to show them text conversations between him and Shane, but wouldn't allow them access to the other things on his phone. Like messages to other people, maybe? Right, and contacts and okay. you know, potentially locations gotcha. and that kind of thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. That makes it really tough when everybody's story is so conflicting. Right. Um, so you and your mom are kind of, I'm sure your heads are spinning when you get there, you're hearing all this different stuff. What did you do? How did you even know where to look for him or where did you go from there? I have to look back on my notes, what day it was, but we, so we request, you know, trying to gather up some folks to go do a search And of course, Justin, as I said, too, is the only one that we really know. So we rely on him. Mm -hmm. So we come up with the the date, the time that we're going to do this. So Justin gives us some contacts of his. So I text in a group text saying, hey, we're going to meet here. If you can join us, please do so. Um, Then Justin follows up by calling each of them individually So then the next day comes, and that's the day that we're going to do this. So we have to wake Justin up at 11 o'clock and say, okay, let's, let's go. Let's, you know. Yeah, let's get going. Burning daylight. Exactly. It's beautiful, sunny. Um, So just his reluctance to even want to go look, what, you know, was kind of a red flag. Like, why are you not concerned here? This is supposedly your best friend. Let's Mm -hmm. go do something. Let's let's right. get on this. And we're sorry, were the other three people also in this search party? I just want to check. Um, they were not. They were not. So his wife, not, and those other two guys were not part of this. Correct. That's a little odd. Right. You'd think as the wife, you might be the first one trying to coordinate a search. Or, Absolutely. Or the friends, the three friends especially knowing that you guys were the last ones to see, like, don't you feel a little responsible, like some, some sort of responsibility to look for him. That's um, different. (laughs) Correct. So, okay. So Justin gets up at 11, you guys get going. So, yeah. So we have got um, six ish or whatever people out there. Um, And the whole while Justin's walking right next to this gal Um, 
not really even looking, telling her about how Shane was depressed about Rebecca and about how he had drilled the ignition in an old truck and just the stories that he was, I mean, not, not looking for him, not saying anything to the fact that, geez, where could he have gone? Where, you know, nothing about the current, but it's all like his backstories about Shane as if wanting her to believe what he's, you know, trying to imply. I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but. No, I understand. Like, it's like he's trying to, sounds like he's setting up a backstory for Shane possibly either going off on his own or some other self-induced issue here. Right, exactly. Okay, and who's who is Rebecca? So Rebecca's the girlfriend that he moved out there with. Um, initially moved out to Oregon and she, um, they were together for a long time and um, she, she died of a drug overdose. And now that was, Oh no. I mean, that was very difficult for him. Um, She had been gone close to, again, I'm not sure on the dates, but I'm, I'm saying, I'm going to guess She's been gone for maybe 20-ish years. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it was difficult for him. And um, oh, I'm sure, you know, at the anniversary of her death, he would um, go reflect with her where her ashes are for a couple of days. Hmm. Okay. That's really hard. And with the talking with us, I mean, he, I don't want to say moved on because he, you know, she would always be with him in a way, but, um, but I mean, he was doing okay. Yeah. And he ended up remarrying, um, you know, he did move forward in a way in his life. Right. So, I mean, we don't think that he had any, um, depression issues over that. Okay. So, um, at this point when you're searching with these people, has his truck been found yet? Um, yeah. So, um, so he, you know, they last see him on Tuesday and then on Wednesday, supposedly there are um, a couple of calls and text conversations between Shane and Crystal's phone from 4 to 6 a.m. that morning. The first is that Shane says, I've lost, this is according to Crystal, um, Shane says, I've lost my keys. I'm on Mill Creek where we saw the bear. So this is a pretty specific location. Yeah. And she tries to go there and runs into a logging crew. She says that she is by herself. The logging crew said there are three people in the vehicle. They pick Shane out of the lineup. But but that's really odd because... This is at like 4.45, but Shane was supposed to be at his truck at that time making, you know, calls and texts at the same time. So he can't be in two places at the same time. So the logging crew is saying on her way in to this location, she has Shane in the car with her. That's what they said. Yep. Alive and well, totally fine. I believe so. Yep according to them. And then there's another male in the car, but they're not able to identify him because he's in the back seat and with the lighting and whatnot at 4:45 in the morning, they can't see that person mm-hmm. in the back seat. So then she of course, you know, gets blocked. She's got to turn around and go home cuz she can't get past there. Um so then she sends um, Ray later, like at nine o'clock, sending Ray with food and water and supplies. Like I, that to me is really weird. Food and water and supplies. That's weird to me because he's only begun overnight. Why, why does he need these things? Why don't you just bring him home? Exactly. Why? I thought she was going to go pick him up. Right. Like he forgot it. He left. I. Okay, so she's saying he lost the keys to his truck. He's stranded out in the middle of 
the the wilder the forest in a logging road and she's going to bring him supplies but not bring him home because he doesn't want to come home i'm not sure <laughs> okay cuz that doesn't like it would just make the most sense to be like sorry you lost your keys get in <laughs> like what why would you drop off supplies to him he's not far from home okay and she has no no explanation on that then that's just what they decided to do drop off food and water to him i guess <laughs> Okay. And do they see him? Like they go to their truck and they see him and they're like, okay, here's your. So they, no, they, they never find him. Okay. And then on Thursday, they, um, find the truck, but in the, in that, so then a, a map is also left in the truck by Justin. Justin leaves a map after they find it in case he's lost. He, he needs it for some reason, a map to get home when he knows that area very well. He would not have needed a map to find his way. And the problem is, it, the problem wasn't that he was lost. It was that he lost his keys. So I don't know how a map is going to help him with that. Yeah, right. That's so bizarre. Okay. So then Justin removes, so the truck is found with the ignition drilled. So then um, Justin removes the tools out of the truck because he thinks somebody's going to steal them. And then okay. they then they report him missing on Friday. And there's story, different stories there. Justin said he reported it, but we later find that, no, he didn't report it. Somebody else did. Who? Um, a guy that he worked with on Wednesday. Just a, wow, just some somebody not even in this group that we've heard of so far. Okay. Yeah. And what made that person decide to report him missing? So Justin and this guy are out looking for Shane after work, apparently on. Uh, Yeah. And so then this guy files the report because Justin and Crystal didn't want the report to be made. Okay. But backing up. Oh man, that's a lot. Yeah. And so backing up on Wednesday, Justin apparently worked for a different guy in the afternoon, um, which took the, uh, you know, law enforcement probably followed up with that guy. Um, again, I'd have to go back to notes, probably six weeks after the fact to verify that Justin worked with oh. him. But the question still remains. What was he doing Wednesday morning until he goes to work? Because you've got everybody else out there looking. And I can't believe that Justin was just sleeping. He's the, the deputy said Justin learned that Shane was missing Wednesday afternoon. Yet several people have said that Justin was out Wednesday looking by himself in the morning. Okay. And according to Justin's story, though, I mean, he would have known that he was missing when he didn't come home Tuesday night, right? They all lived together in the same trailer? Um, So Crystal and Shane lived in one camper, and then Justin had a separate camper on that property. Oh, okay. Okay. So it is, I guess, feasible that he could have come home, and Justin doesn't see him that night. But somehow by Wednesday afternoon, he does know, but still doesn't report it. It's not reported until Friday. Um, And the truck ignition being drilled out, you mentioned that for, was it for another truck? You said that Justin was saying Shane drilled out his ignition. Apparently he had drilled um, an ignition on a previous truck that he owned. Why? I, I don't, I'm not sure. I guess I, I don't know the complete story on that. If he had lost his keys and it, this drilling apparently worked. Now this is according to Justin. So I don't know if any of it's factual, but then you can use like a screwdriver or whatever to start it. And oh, according to okay. Justin, that's the part I was missing. According to Justin, then on this, on his current track, this the drilling didn't work because it's a newer truck and it's got like computer systems that didn't allow that to to work. Hmm. And then we don't, you know, we're 
unsure if there's a spare set of keys. I thought at one point um, Crystal was sending Ray with that spare set. And so there's so many, there's so many pieces that yes. are either inconsistent. I mean, you don't know who, what's factual and what's not. Right. And it's all been shifting around and it sounds very inconsistent. So, um, okay. So when I'm, when I'm just first thinking of, you know, reasons why, because it sounds like to me, everyone's kind of suspecting foul play, right? Like he didn't just wander off into the woods somewhere. I mean, it's just too convenient. Like his, he leaves work, leaves his tools plugged in. He's got a job or, you know, meeting set up with a subcontractor. When he gets back, he goes home. Then everything there doesn't add up. Like he leaves upset. He leaves happy. People can't even agree whether they saw him, who was there. And then he mysteriously goes to a mushroom picking place. And then on top of all of that, just happens to lose his keys. I mean, it's all too coincidental that it all happens like that. Right. Yeah. It sounds really different. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's tough. It's a tough story to believe it is. Yeah. Um, so I can see where, you know, I mean, I, I definitely try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, and when you're retelling stories, you know, things get changed, little details here and there, but there are so many big pieces that are just completely bizarre and abstract, like the map, the water, there's just so many weird pieces that I'm just like, I don't know, uh, this is a tough one for me to swallow. Right. So, and then the fact that, you know, Crystal doesn't look for him is a red flag in my mind. I can't think of a good reason why you wouldn't want to. Um, Has anybody questioned her? Like, hey, why haven't you looked for Shane? Yeah. um, Not not too long ago, um, we, uh, my daughter, in fact, had a text conversation with Crystal and flat out asked her, why haven't you looked, you know, for him? Right. And she says, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to find, I don't want to find my husband. Are they are um, having marital problems before this by chance? Yes. He's um, planning to get divorced. This was, um, yeah, he told my mom divorce was imminent. Um, okay. And this is when they were in Texas. They went to go visit my mom in Texas, um, over the winter, not obviously this past, this winter, but the, the winter prior. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, he, so, but then he said, I have to at least get her back to Oregon where she knows people. Right. I'm not just going to abandon her. Right. And looking back, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm going to say it this way. He should have left her ass there, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe it would have been anyway, less trouble, but okay. So, <laughs> but, but so he's good enough to want to get her back to where she knows people. And um, yeah. So I think, I think it was quite rocky for some time, the okay. relationship between the two. So that's definitely, you know, when I think of just in general motives that people might have, you know, nothing, not specifically, accusing anybody of anything, but motives that come to my mind are marital issues, um, like infidelity possibly. And then also, you know, there's drugs slash money is a huge, is another huge one. Um, and I know you mentioned that they were maybe waiting for some drugs. So it sounds like that is definitely another part of this that could play a role. Right. So, Do we know of any, does he owe anybody any money by chance that you know of? No. Okay. He had, um, he had a good, a good chunk of money in his account, um, because he intended to start building his new place. Okay. Right. He's about to break ground on his new house because his other one burned down. 
So he was doing right. fine financially, as far as you know. Right. The um, um, the deputy, um, Crystal shared the statement or something with the deputy, and he had like 30000 in his account. Okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's, he's sitting on a good chunk of change. So is there a chance that there's dealing of some sort coming from one of these people that like, you know, so I, I don't know if you are in contact with the Bryson family. Um, they actually are the ones that told me about Shane's case, Michael Bryson's parents, who's another missing man in that very same area that Shane went missing. And um, the drug, the drug deal was kind of a huge part of that and uh, the different levels of, you know, dealing and all this stuff. But when I heard like, okay, there are all these people sitting at home on a Tuesday, 10 o'clock, it kind of strikes me that way. Do we know that any of these people are dealers? So it's, it's been, um, um, brought up to us that Ray was bringing drugs that day. Okay. That's kind of the direction I also was thinking, cause I looked into these people as well. For sure. And then, you know, I have personally asked both Justin and Ray, who were you bringing the drugs mm-hmm. for? And I can't get an answer from either of them. Okay. Well, the other part of that is, though, like, even if there are drugs involved, it doesn't change the fact that Shane's just missing. Like, he's gone. Drugs don't make people disappear. People make people disappear. So, you know, as much as it could be a factor, it's it's really not um, of the utmost importance what was going down specifically for that. But it is something that I think of, you know, like, hmm, you know, could there be money owed? Could there be... I don't know, high stakes in that type of situation. So, okay. Um, it's been, so November we're in May now. So it's been seven months. There have been no signs of Shane. He's never, he's never used any of his bank cards or anything, right? That's all been checked on. Um, well, I believe, I don't know. Um, if they had like a joint account, but we don't, we don't have access to it. Okay. Have the police, like how often are they kind of updating you with stuff order and what are they doing as far as you know, to help figure this out? So we try to, or we at least reach out. Um, we try it like on a weekly basis. Sure. Um, to reach out to the detective um, we don't get really much new information. Um, they are very busy mm. and we hear that with, with each communication, um, because there's only whatever, four detectives in the County right? with, you know, 182 people missing on top of all the other stuff that they deal with. Right. Um, so I, you know, the, the last, the last update that we got, he was, had, has been trying to reach Justin and Justin's not returning his calls. Hmm. Yeah. I um, briefly spoke with Justin and he at first said no. I, cause I asked him like, Hey, would you be willing to talk to me about Shane? Um, and he said, maybe in a few months. And then I was like, yeah, you know, like our timing is probably not going to work out for that. I'm going to try and get it out before then. Um, but, you know, I know you would know, you know, kind of what Shane's like life was like in those days up to and months up to him disappearing, um, probably even better than his family who's back in Minnesota would know. So I was hoping you could just give me kind of a rundown. And he said, well, the other podcast, you know, made me look bad and um, defamed my character. And I kind of came back with like, well, you know, going on and speaking for yourself 
kind of allows you, if you want to, to say your side of the story. So if you have, you know, a response to these things, like just go ahead and say. (laughs) And so then he was like, okay, well, maybe um, I could just like, he's like, I don't know what happened to Shane, but maybe I'll, you know, I can tell you some of the old fun we used to get into or whatever. And I was like, okay, well, that'd be a good place to start. Just kind of hoping to at least open the door with him. Cause I would be very interested to hear what his story is and how, I mean, if he says the exact same story that you just said, I have a lot of questions. Like that's a pretty weird story. So I my, would, my guess is that'll be different, but but then in even then that is saying something like here's another story, you know, either way would make a statement of some sort. So um, I am curious. I will follow up with him because he kind of said yes to that, but it wasn't like a solid. I don't know. No, it, was, it was a little bit off, but um, you guys, I'm sure, are not on the best of terms with him right now. I was just going to say, so my mom and I, you know, stayed with him for four days until we became suspicious in his involvement. Yeah. And then spent the other couple nights in a hotel because we couldn't be around him anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That would be really hard. Especially with his behavior during the search and just feeling in like it was insincere. Um, I could see that. So, um, okay. Well, I'm certainly going to try and reach out to him. I do think that it would benefit the case for him to have a recorded story because after you come on a podcast and have a story, it's going to be real tough to change the story again you know, without it causing a huge commotion. So that's one thing about having things on the record that is kind of nice. But um, I am going to reach out to Crystal also. I suspect that will not get me anywhere. She doesn't have like any online presence. She's, it's like she almost like doesn't exist. Um, I found her sister and I actually have, a a couple mutual friends with her sister. So I kind of, I don't know, I'm kind of working my way that direction, but I would like to hear her side of the story as well, because I'm sure um, you guys would as well on, on record. As far as I know, they have no relationship and. Hmm. Okay. Well, Um, but yes, who else would there be? So like, um, Ray, Crystal, Eric, Justin. Yeah, so um, Eric and Ray kind of interest me. They really, I, I, I'm confused about how these people are connected. Like, who are Ray and Eric to Shane? Just friends? They're like these so, older guys that I, I don't know. When I looked at their picture, I was like, hmm. So Eric has been a friend of Crystal. Um, for a long time. And when Shane and Crystal would have issues and would separate for a little bit, Crystal would go stay with Eric. Now, Justin says that Eric and his wife are going to get divorced. Eric says he and his wife have been married, happily married for 30 some years. So we don't even know about that, which is true. Okay. Um, And then Ray, um, I believe, is homeless by choice. He lived on the property, um, the old property that Shane bought. He lived there before Shane bought it. But Shane just let him be and let him stay. And, and, you know, I don't think they had any issues that, that we were ever, you know, told of. Does Ray have any other names that you've ever heard for him? Ray Ray, I guess, is his real. And okay, I think he's got a Facebook profile with a different he name. Does, he I does. I don't remember what that is. It's Charles. Yeah. Which is there you go. his r- real name, from what I have been able to gather. I actually know <laughs> Eugene's a really small town. I don't live there anymore. I moved to Los Angeles, but I have lived there for a long time. So it's kind of funny like that. Like you don't, you always know like one or two people from a, cer- a certain person, you know? So sure. Ray Ray or Charles, um, his cousin 
used to be the receptionist at my job. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's super small. <laughs> it's super bizarre. So I contacted her and I was like, hey. Um, and she also knows the Brysons. So I was like, hey, I'm doing a new case for the pro- for the podcast. And here's the deal. Like, what's the deal with Charles? And she's like, Charles, like, that is mind boggling to me that he would be doing that. She's like, he is, um, you know, very ill with diabetes and he is very unwell. I didn't think that he left his house type of thing. Uh, so I was like, are we talking about the same guy? Like, is this, I, I don't know. It, there's something bizarre, but it's the same profile photo in two of the profiles. And then Charles, the one that she's my usual friend with, his looks a little bit different where it's almost like Maybe the, that picture that you guys have posted is a really old photo of him. I don't know. That's that's what it kind of looks like to me. Because he looks much thinner and livelier in the photo that you guys have up. Okay. So I'm not really sure where to fit that in, to be honest. It still kind of has me scratching my head. Like She's like, he is like very limitedly mobile not very mobile. I was like, okay, I don't know. I don't know. We saw him in November and he seemed plenty like, like he was getting around just fine. He was. So he, is he like using a walker or anything? He's just totally fine. He looked totally fine. That's interesting. So I wonder if we do have our like wires crossed a little bit and this third guy isn't him. I don't know. I'll send you the profile though. So you can look at it and uh, see what you think. But yeah, so I'm kind of working right. Cause I was asking her like, is, do you think that he could be involved in drugs or any type of weird? And she was like, I highly doubt it. I, that would really surprise me. I was like, okay. Hmm. I'm not really sure what to make of that, but I'm just kind of <laughs> checking it all out from the outer circle, I guess. Right, right. That's got to be difficult. It is a little <laughs> bit weird. So um, I'll keep digging around. I kind of want to, I'll reach out to them and just see. I mean, the worst they can say is no. Um, but yeah, we'll just see. Like, who knows? Maybe sometimes because I'm not a cop or a PI or anything like that, people are just more likely to talk to me for whatever reason. So Crystal's got a friend staying with her. That would, she'd be an interesting one to talk to. But and I would be doubtful that she would that she would want to have a discussion. She's the one, like her, I think her name is Lori. And she was shown like there was a news story that was done a while back. And this gal comes out to the to the driveway. There's a gate that um to the property, to the new property um at the end of the driveway, and she comes out and sa- and tells the news reporter that Crystal's mourning the loss of her husband, and that's why she couldn't come out to speak with a news anchor. So her name, I believe, is Lori. Um, had texted Crystal. I texted my mom a while back, saying that Lori and her kids were staying with her. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. And at that time, Crystal, how did it go? Like Lori's. A relation of Lori's is an ex-FBI person who specializes in missing persons, apparently. Oh, wow. And they reached out to that person, not for help in finding Shane, but rather um, how she should protect herself. Oh, no. Um, So she has lawyered up and hiding behind her attorney. So she won't answer questions. Okay. All of the, the these four have all at one time or another agreed to do a polygraph test, but it's not none of it hasn't happened. Okay. And Justin now says because of this mental anguish. Well, let me reverse. Lori says because of Justin's mental anguish, he's unable to do it now too. Well, unfortunately, I don't think the police can make them do that. And then just like another piece, um, which I was um, maybe took it the wrong way, but the detective, you know, 
has said, you know, they don't have any evidence. They need something, and this is how he put it, they need something like bloody jeans. Um, so my response, Please. recent response to him was perhaps after six months, we ought to go looking for those bloody jeans because they're not just going to show up. Right. I believe there are um, some further search areas that that they've been talking about, but apparently there's still snow in those areas as of last week. Wow. Okay. Well, those that should definitely be melting very soon. I would sure hope so. And and hopefully they get back in in those areas at least. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to do some more digging um, and we'll kind of go from there. I will definitely keep you in the loop as I'm, you know, contacting people and their responses and everything like that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And um, yeah, I'll touch base with you um, in a couple of weeks when you guys get back. Okay. Sounds great. All right. Have a great day. Yep. You too. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye. There's a lot to unpack in that interview. The biggest things I came away with was there were four people to Lassie Shane, conflicting stories, and an unconfirmed timeline. We're going to go over all of this in the next episode. After my interview with Misty, I got a contact list from the family and I started making some calls. We've been asked how our listeners can contribute to the show, so we set up an account with Patreon. Check out the link in our show notes if you're interested in supporting our cause. You can also find it on our website, nowheretobefoundpodcast.com.